from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Washington Watch. We are broadcasting from the studios of his channel in Southern California. By the way, we want to thank them for uh, hosting us. Today is California's primary election, but that's not why I am here. I'm here for a couple of other events. In fact, I'll be speaking tomorrow night at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. So if you're in the area, come out and join us. But for now, coming up on this edition of Washington Watch, how far will Democrats go to take away guns from law-abiding citizens? If the filibuster obstructs us, we will abolish it. If the Supreme Court objects, we will expand it, and we will not rest until we have taken weapons of war out of circulation in our communities. That was Congressman Mondaire Jones of New York. What about the Constitution? We owe the children of our country so much more than excuses for why we don't have legislation. That was House Speaker Nancy Pelosi earlier today on the National Mall. Do Democrats see the Constitution as nothing more than an excuse? We'll talk with the vice chairman of the House Republican Conference, Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson, a constitutional attorney, in just a moment. And President Biden is delivering the holy war on American domestic energy that he promised on the campaign trail. Meanwhile, energy costs and gas prices for American families have absolutely skyrocketed. As that was Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell earlier today on the Senate floor addressing how Americans are paying for the Biden administration's policies at the pump. We'll talk with Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson, a member of the Committee on Commerce, Science and Transportation. I'll also ask Senator Johnson about his letter to the acting director of the National Institutes of Health, Lawrence Tabak, about payments going to scientists at NIH. Over the weekend, yet another attack on a church in Nigeria. As you know, the president has already ordered a full-scale uh, investigation of these uh, crimes, and I assure you that in, without any doubt, those who perpetrated this will be found. They'll be fished out, and they will uh, pay for the consequences of this heinous crime. That was the Nigerian vice president, Yemi Ozenbejo, at the St. Francis Catholic Church yesterday. It was on Sunday that gunmen killed more than 20 worshipers. You know, as I've often discussed on this program, the violence against Christians in Nigeria is only escalating, which makes the Biden State Department's actions of removing them from the country of particular concern list inexplicable. I'll be joined here in studio by Dr. David Curry, president of Open Doors and a new member of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom a little later here on Washington Watch. Remember, once again, today is primary election day. If you live in California, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, or South Dakota. So if you've not already voted, pray, vote, stand. Remember, we need to pray for our country. We need to vote every opportunity we have, and we need to stand for biblical truth. So if you've not yet voted and you live in one of those seven states, be sure and go vote. Now, FRC Action has voter guide information available for you at frcaction.org. That's frcaction.org under voter resources. Also, resources available for you at TonyPerkins.com. All of our programs are archived there. And if you have friends that cannot get access to a station that carries Washington Watch, well, they can watch it at TonyPerkins.com. 
And by the way, don't forget to sign up for the new Washington Stand. This is the news and commentary site you've been asking for. News and commentary from a biblical perspective. That's the WashingtonStand.com. All right, our word for today coming from 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 6 is this. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. When confronted about his sin with Bathsheba, David didn't rationalize, didn't justify it or call it an alternative lifestyle. He confessed his sin and God forgave him. God is merciful and willing to forgive us no matter what, if we just ask him. To find out more about our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. We'd love to have you join us. Okay, Congress is back from their Memorial Day recess. And topping the Democrats' to-do list this week is the January 6th miniseries that starts Thursday night in primetime and gun control legislation. As we begin another work period, the American people have one question front of mind. After years and decades of gridlock, will the Senate do something about our nation's gun violence epidemic? That is the question that uh, the Democratic leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, asked today. But there's a lot of Americans asking, will we do something, something that matters? With me now to talk about this week on Capitol Hill and in particular, the issue of gun control and how do we address the violence in our nation is Mike Johnson. He is a member of the House Armed Services Committee and the Judiciary Committee. He is a constitutional attorney. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Louisiana. He is also a part of the Republican leadership in the House. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony, I'm fresh off the plane. Three flight delays. Didn't have time to change clothes for you yet, but we are back on Capitol Hill and it's going to be a, a busy week, as you said. I, I feel your pain. I've experienced those travel delays in the last week as I've been traveling. But you're there, and, and I'm here. So let's talk about what's happening. At first, I know a lot of Americans, a lot of conservatives, wondering about this miniseries that kicks off Thursday, the January 6th hearing. What can we expect out of that? You can expect a Hollywood-style production that they literally hired one of the former ABC executives uh, who's a producer and uh, has lots of credits to his name. This is pure political theater, Tony, and that proves it. We've been saying this all along. The, the January 6th committee is illegitimate. It is not bipartisan. They like to say that because they got Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger to go along with this. But they denied the Republican picks for the committee, so they, they can't say that this was uh, duly uh, compiled or composed. They're, they're, it's Nancy Pelosi's rules. It's Nancy Pelosi's show. And the entire thing is leading up to the election cycle. They want to discredit Donald Trump and, and as many Republicans on Capitol Hill that they can. That's what you can expect. It'll be a Hollywood-style production. Uh, and, and I hope that most people don't tune into this. Well, my prediction is that it backfires on them because I think what it's only going to do is further show the American people the heavy hand in which the Democrats want to run Washington, D.C., and remind them why last November, or the November in 2020, was a mistake in terms of who they put in power and give them a chance to correct it this November. Uh, let's move on to the issue this week, gun control legislation. The House Rules Committee is scheduled to take up two pieces of gun legislation today in response to the, to the shootings in Buffalo and Uvalde. Can you tell us about these two particular pieces uh, of legislation? Yes, this is the product of a uh, grueling 10-hour House Judiciary Committee hearing that was hastily called 
uh, on, on Thursday of last week. Um, we, we had to sit through that. Um, the, the bills that they were presenting for us to uh, debate and mark up in a, in a regular committee process, uh, really, there was it was a completely irregular thing. Uh, Jerry uh, Nadler, of course, is the chairman of the House Judiciary, the Democrat uh, majority uh, lead of our committee. He only had two co-sponsors on his bill. And the reason why is because it was hastily compiled. They went to the shelf and pulled off all the dusty old uh, Democrat gun control bills that they could and mashed them up together in one uh, highly emotional, you know, uh, sort of knee-jerk reaction to what happened, the, the, the terrible tragedy in Uvalde, Texas. Uh, and they presented that because they want to show that they're, quote, doing something. The problem is the provisions of the bill not only would not do anything to solve any of these problems, but uh, almost everything they put on paper was unconstitutional, and, and some of it had already been declared as such. So this is purely for messaging, just like the January 6th uh, theatrics, uh, they're trying to distract the American people uh, from the real issues that they're deeply concerned about. Now, everybody is concerned about tragedies and school shootings, but our colleagues on the other side of the aisle, Tony, the bottom line is they refuse to address the root problems of all this. They want to do gun control, and that is not what is going to solve. You know, we, we, every time there's a shooting, this is the same thing. We're talking about restricting the the guns or whatever is in the hand of the perpetrator, but not addressing what has been Put in the heart, and, and we look at, I, I don't think we can escape the fact these shootings are taking place in schools. The, same, the very same classrooms we kicked God, prayer, Ten Commandments, the Bible out of these classrooms, and we expect our kids to have a sense of morality. I think it's time that we, we come right back at these Democratic leftists who were demanding that we curb and, and restrain and take away the freedoms of law-abiding citizens and say, all right, it's time we invite God back into our country again. Well, that's right. I mean, this is the inevitable result of this decades-long effort to remove God, to remove moral absolutes, to re remove even the idea of truth. I mean, you and I know, we, we talk about all the time, what children and in most public schools are being taught now is to find their own truth. I mean, it's moral relativism uh, on steroids now. Um, we, we can't define anything that's right and wrong. There's certainly no recognition of the sanctity of human life anymore. And so these are the inevitable results of that. On top of that, of course, we had the shutdowns over COVID. We sent uh, young boys and, and girls uh, alone and isolated them. Uh, you know, the, the shooter in Uvalde was said to have been playing violent video games and was completely isolated. We have a mental health crisis in this country. We have schools that aren't hardened against uh, all of these uh, these assaults. And and it, but the root problem is, Tony, is what you're getting at is it's a, a spiritual problem. Um, you know, after the uh, Sandy Hook shooting, uh, the late Billy Graham uh, put out a, a commentary on it, and he said, "Listen, these are." spiritual problems, and they require spiritual solutions. At the end of the day, that's the only thing that is really going to solve the evil in the human heart. Well, I think we demand that we have those conversations and we not talk about symptoms. And I, I want to I go to their issue. They're, cl they're clamoring for gun control, restricting the ability of those between 18 and, uh, and 21. They have a problem. It's called the Constitution. Right. How are they going to get around the Constitution? Well, again, th this package of legislation is purely for messaging, so I, I'm not sure they're overly uh, concerned about that, but they can't get around it. I mean, we pointed out in the House Judiciary Committee hearing multiple times that uh, one of the most liberal courts in America, the most liberal federal appellate court, is the Ninth Circuit out California on the West Coast. And 
it's that court that determined that raising the age to 21 is an unconstitutional. It's a violation of the Second Amendment on its face. They said it's a minimal and meaningless restriction that doesn't pass constitutional muster. So I think that they recognize that what they're doing is not possible. But again, this is for optics, like everything that the Democrats in Washington do right now. They just want to try to show that they're doing something, regardless of whether it makes sense or not. If they wanted to amend the Constitution, they need to present that language, but they're not going to do that. Well, that's to the point, and we're almost out of time here. But if they were really serious about what they're proposing and not just messaging and posturing for elections, they would put forth a constitutional amendment to address what they're trying to do unconstitutionally. Well, that's exactly right. But they have no regard for the Constitution. And in the hearing itself, my colleague, David Cicilline, is one of the Democrat leads on the bill. I mean, he famously said he used profanity, but he said, I don't want to hear any bull about the Constitution. This is not the time to talk about constitutional rights. I mean, that tells you all you need to know. This is a political agenda. They're trying to gin people up for the election, and there's really not much more to it than that. Well, we're grateful that we have members like you fighting for the Constitution and fighting for faith, family, and freedom on Capitol Hill. And nice hat. I like the hat. Thanks, Tony. Good to see you. All right, Mike. Good to see you. Take care. Look, if they want to do this, let them put forward a constitutional amendment, if that's what they want to do. But again, I think this is all posturing. It's all political messaging. All right, coming up, at least 22 have died and 50 injured following an attack Sunday in a town in southwest Nigeria. Dr. David Curry with Open Doors joins me in studio next. Don't go away. Join Family Research Council on an exciting two-year journey through the Bible. FRC's Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan helps you to dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into the cultural issues of the day. God has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. By studying the Bible, we can see God's plan unfold throughout the past and be encouraged by how the truth of Scripture is still relevant in our current day and will be into the future. The Stand on the Word reading plan engagingly and thoughtfully takes you through the daily scripture to help you stay grounded in God's truth. You can start this reading plan with Family Research Council today. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your family and friends. Visit frc.org slash Bible to begin this journey through the Bible today. Although most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, studies show that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. That is why Family Research Council's Center for Biblical Worldview was created. The center serves to help Christians understand the importance of Scripture, why it must be authoritative, and how it can equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC Center for Biblical Worldview provide resources to help prepare believers to give a scriptural answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access these free resources at frc.org worldview. See the center's latest blogs, op-eds, and publications by signing up for the newsletter at frc.org worldview email.
want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Again, search Stand Firm and download the app today. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. As I mentioned, we're broadcasting in Southern California from the studios of his channel. Authorities in Nigeria are searching for several gunmen who attacked the congregants of a Catholic church in the Nigerian town of Owo late Sunday morning. Now, the church, which is one of the largest parishes in southwest Nigeria, state of uh, Ando, uh, was holding services for Pentecost when it was rocked by an explosion and gunfire that resulted. Um, several people ran out of the church after the explosion and then were shot. Uh, at least 22 have died, and uh, there were about 50 total that were injured. Earlier reports had placed the death toll at more than 50. Here with me now to talk about the attack and the concerns in Nigeria is David Curry. He is president and CEO of Open Doors USA and recently appointed to the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. David, always good to see you. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me in. You know, I, I know that... Uh, by the way, congratulations on your appointment to the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. I feel comfortable leaving now. Uh, we got you and Frank Wolf will be on the commission. I know you'll do a great job. Frank, of course, the originator yes. of uh, the legislation that created it over uh, 20 years ago. There's, I don't think there's anybody more knowledgeable about the issues of religious freedom around the world than Frank, and he's, he's led this charge for a long time. It's an honor to serve with yeah, passionate, Very passionate. And passionate about Nigeria. All right, what do we know about Nigeria in this latest attack? Well, let, just setting it in context, when you think of all the tough places around the world, uh, North Korea, Afghanistan, as far as uh, measurements of persecution against Christians and religious freedom violations, Nigeria is right up there. It's number seven on our list, our world watch list. And that's because of these extremist groups. You have Boko Haram. You have the Fulani who seem to be, uh, it's, it's suggested or maybe even they've claimed uh, responsibility for this latest attack and there's other splinter groups as well the key thing about Nigeria is very violent most of the violence is in the north part of the country but here they're breaking from a pattern they're attacking a church in the south in the southwest uh, I think the key thing here is that these extremists have been allowed to to flourish in the north of the country the, the government is not been taking strong action. I, I think they're culpable in these kinds of attacks because they've allowed the Fulani to grow. They've allowed them to, to really, uh, you know, attack, murder, uh, take over villages without any sort of measurement of punishment well, against them. That's why the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom during the Trump administration had consistently, actually going back several years, recommended 
the CPC status, country of particular concern for Nigeria, right. and for the first time, the Trump administration did just that, only to be reversed by the Biden administration. So for me, it's inexplicable. And of course, we've raised this issue when I was on the commission, because as you just laid out, this violence continues to escalate. Well, the international law really says it's about gover governments that persecute for religious reasons or, or tolerate it. And, and certainly Nigeria would fall into that category. That's, that was our viewpoint. And now, you know, you have some governments that are actually doing the persecution, but the case in Nigeria is they're turning a blind eye to the persecution. Yeah, and I think you're going to see more attacks like this where they're leaving their, their homeland territory and coming down That's to the south. That's a new level of escalation. It really is, and I think you start thinking about all the soft targets. There's tens of millions of Christians in the south. It's going to be significant. Because this particular area is relatively peaceful, and so they were not um, prepared for or anticipating these types of attacks. One of the storylines that the government keeps pushing out is that this is about territory as far as it's related to the Fulani, that these are herd, herdsmen. Right. Uh, this breaks that pattern. It really reveals that they have an ideology. They say what their ideology is. That's what's so strange. They're telling us they want to attack Christians. They see them as uh, a, a part of uh, a larger plan that they're laying out. We need to believe these right. terrorist groups when they tell us what yeah, they're about. You're going back to that narrative that this administration has embraced, UK's embraced it. I, I encountered it when I was on the commission is that this is the result of climate change and it is the conflict over limited resources. But as you just pointed out, now we have a new narrative where we have them leaving uh, one area, one region coming to another region. No other reason other than this is a, uh, it's a, it's a Catholic, it's a Christian institution that they want to attack. That's right. I mean, the, the narrative that it's about climate change or that they're just mobsters, these kinds of things that have been propped up over time, it doesn't hold water because they're telling us what their ideology is. And ideas, as you know, have consequences. So uh, very quickly, uh, I know we're going to get to the persecution of Christians in general and, and how significant that is. Why is Nigeria so important? Why, why do we need to be paying attention to well, Nigeria? Obviously, I would love to see Nigeria be part of this international community. It has lots of resources. It's a wealthy country. There's, uh, there's just a tremendous potential there. But it is being torn apart by what's allowed to happen in the North Fitz country. Now it's seeping over. But in the big picture, Nigeria is, what's ha is, a, is a microcosm of what's happening at the larger continent level. You have... Extremist states, Sharia law ruling in the north. You have large Christian populations in the south. This is going to be a very violent revolution where these civilizations are clashing together. Well, it is, it's almost evenly divided between Muslims and Christians, and it is the most populous state on the African continent. So, as you said, as it spills over, this could uh, destabilize the entire continent and potentially spill over into Europe. Well, you have very young uh, demographics. For, for the continent of Africa, lots of people unemployed in many of these places. So you're going to have young people who are going to turn violent, and I think you're going to see an enormous, uh, I think it will be revolutionary is what happens there if this is allowed to continue. And, and we know that when you have these societies that are destabilized by war, terrorism, uh, this type of thing, it affects the economy, it affects the, the ability to provide for your families, and so that 
leads to more extremism. Refugees, millions of people have had to leave the north of Nigeria to go into the south. That means they leave their property. That means economics are affected. It's going to have, you know, a massive effect. All right, uh, Dr. David Curry, we're going to uh, talk about Christians in general when we come back. You know, one of the, the challenges ahead on the commission is that there's like this, the, 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 we don't want to recognize the, the depth of the problem in terms of Christian persecution. There are those that want to be dismissive of Christians and focus on others. And I, I'm for all people, and I think everyone should have uh, religious freedom. But I do think, and we worked hard to address the issues of, of Christians. I want, I, want to lay, I want you to lay out for us just how significant is the persecution of Christians globally when we come back. We are uh, with Dr. David Curry here in Southern California. He is the president and CEO of Open Doors USA. We come back with more right after this break. Don't go away. Most of us have at least one friend or family member who is pro-choice or have engaged with someone who doesn't share our pro-life views. As Christians, we are called to defend the weak and to speak truth in love. When we advocate for the unborn, we must do so in a way that is both honest and loving. At Family Research Council, we recognize the inherent dignity of every human life, from conception until natural death. The value of human life is not conditional upon its usefulness to others or an arbitrary evaluation of a person's quality of life. Rather, the value of human life is unconditional because God, the author of life, has created all humans in his image. FRC's Center for Human Dignity exists to give a voice to the voiceless by helping others speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Access our free resources at frc.org life so that you can address abortion, human trafficking, pornography, and more. Attention university students, do you feel called to promote faith, family, and freedom in public policy and the culture? Are you hoping to grow in Christian leadership? Then join Family Research Council for an unforgettable internship. FRC's 12 to 15 week internship program is designed to educate university students who are passionate about public service and who believe that a biblical worldview is necessary for government to serve the people and for culture to thrive. As an intern, you work alongside FRC's experts who will invest in your personal and professional development as you prepare to make a kingdom impact in the world. This paid internship offers free housing in D.C., allowing you to experience community with other faithful conservatives in the nation's capital. For more information and to apply, visit frc.org slash internships. That's frc.org slash internships. tuned in to Washington Watch, and I'm your host, Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and check out the new Washington Stand. That is the online news and commentary from a biblical perspective that so many of you have been asking about. It can be found at WashingtonStand.com. Over 360 million Christians in the world today are living in places where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. And between October 2020 and September 2021, 5,898 Christians were killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. 5,110 churches and other Christian buildings were attacked. 
4,764 believers were detained without trial, arrested, or imprisoned. All of these figures were a part of the 2022 report released by Open Doors, the largest network in the world serving persecuted Christians. And the latest data indicates Christian persecution is higher today than at any other time in modern history. Here to continue this conversation is Dr. David Curry. He is the president and CEO of Open Doors USA and a new member of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. The, the situation for Christians continues to worsen globally. Yeah, I mean, you have several forces here. You have governments themselves, China, North Korea, who are using all of their power, border patrols, police forces, to try to clamp or control, even monitor Christians. And then you have another driver, which is what we discussed earlier, extremism. Not just Islamic extremism, but also Hindu extremism in India. So between... Yeah, India's got really bad. A massive problem. Really it's, in, it's in the top ten of our world watch list. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. This is a democracy. It's a massive influence on the international scene. So as long as you have these drivers, the extremism, which is metastasizing, not just in, in uh, the Middle East, but elsewhere, and governments that are trying to control the uh, be thought police over their populations, then you're going to see persecution rise. And, and then we're seeing in Western governments, we're actually working on a special project here at the Family Research Council, looking at this growing uh, authoritarianism of Western governments targeting Christians. Well, let's take China as an example. Here, they, they begin monitoring, they're scoring behavior. So now when churches used to be a church of 5,000, becomes multiple churches of 500, and then they're forced into smaller groups of 50, then they're forced online, and then they're monitored online and shut down. So there's a, there's a pattern of authoritarianism in, in the extreme cases. And so now you're seeing Western governments that want to monitor, that want to register, that want to control speech, and the outlets for speech. I think you're going to begin to see more deplatforming of Christians, of sermons, uh, people who are relying on Facebook and these kinds of uh, portals. These are utilities uh, that are being controlled and used for, for their own ideologies. And I think you're going to see Christians have massive censorship issues on these platforms. Now, to be very clear, what we're facing here in the United States is not what they're facing in North Korea or China. We're facing maybe discrimination, but not the persecution that we're seeing that is actually taking people's lives, imprisoning people, torturing people. But there is a connection because we can't promote, my view has always been, we cannot promote as Americans religious freedom abroad if we're not protecting it here at home. Well, I think there's lessons to be learned. There's things we can do to support and whether it's through a family research council, open doors, support people abroad who are persecuted for their faith. There's also lessons we can learn from that. Yes. This is why I think the correlation is so important. Because if you see what's happening in these extreme cases, you can say, let's avoid those mistakes. Let's stand up for our faith. Let's make sure we have platforms for people to speak freely about their faith. Uh, we're going to be, you know, facing these challenges in greater uh, severity, I think, over time. Now, we focus on the policy. You actually focus. Open Doors actually helps ministers, stands with, provides for the persecuted church. So tell, tell our viewers and listeners about the work of Open Doors. Well, the idea when we first began was that we would be present with them on the ground wherever they were, and that's still our goal today is to, to, is to make sure that these believers aren't isolated. Now, we know that that's the, that's the tactic is right. to, let's isolate people, Absolutely. let's keep them from Scripture, let's keep them from a community of believers. So then we try to 
reverse engineer that, say, let's get together, let's find ways to support them. And, and some of these places are exceptionally difficult, but we have an amazing team that does it. So you actually have people on the ground in all of these places. Yeah, we build networks to support and stand with these persecuted. you say support, you literally provide material support to the persecuted. Material support. What is it the church needs yeah. to first survive and then thrive? Is that Bibles? Is it sometimes very practical food, yeah. water, these kinds of things. So how can people find out more about Open Doors? Opendoorsusa.org, all the information, and most importantly, I think, stories that we can share. Yeah. And so that we know the lessons and the victories, too, because the church that's under persecution, they're surviving and thriving. Well, I, uh, folks, I wholeheartedly endorse the work of Open Doors. In fact, our family uh, supports Open Doors because of the, we believe in the work that they're doing. We focus on the policy, and occasionally we get involved in a case uh, that will help an individual, but that's not our mainstay. Our mainstay is the policies, both domestically and foreign. You're doing the, the work on the ground to walk with these uh, believers, and, and we want to support that. And so grateful for you and for your entire team. And once again, just want to congratulate you on your appointment Thank to you. Uh, serve. Thank you. Thanks for all you do. This is an amazing thing. Appreciate uh, it very much. David, always good to see you. Okay. Folks, check out their website, and I do. I would encourage you to support them in the work that they do in supporting Christians around the globe because Christians are the largest group that's being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ, and we need to stand with them wherever they are. And that begins in prayer, but it doesn't stop there. All right, don't go away. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson. Every time you fill up the tank, you're reminded of the policies of the Biden administration. Is there a connection? You better believe there is, and Ron Johnson is going to talk about it next. Don't go away. More Washington Watch to come. Religious liberty is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's own choosing and to live in accordance with those beliefs. It is an inherent human right. Therefore, Family Research Council's Center for Religious Liberty strives to advance religious liberty for all people of all faiths. Advocates for strong religious liberty protections are often labeled bigots. But for those familiar with the history of religious liberty in the United States, until recently, it was embraced by a majority of Americans. In fact, religious liberty has historically had bipartisan support. Today, efforts to restrict this freedom have become increasingly common. Therefore, Christians need to articulate with greater clarity why we support religious liberty and why all people are served when religious liberty thrives. Access the Center for Religious Liberty's free resources to learn more at frc.org slash religious liberty. In today's culture, there are few examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need a model of leadership, strength, courage, and sacrificial love that they can look to. But where can they find it? Try our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. We seek to help men develop a strong, biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. We invite you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. 
These conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have the generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. At Family Research Council, we want to be able to keep you informed on our latest resources and events. Due to the growing threat of tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've created a tech subscription platform so that we can stay connected. So if we get canceled, you can continue to receive updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, and we're in Southern California this week. As I mentioned, I'll be at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, uh, tomorrow evening for their Wednesday evening uh, service. And we've got a couple other events here. So we're broadcasting from his channel. Their studios are appreciation uh, to them. All right, uh, we're going to go to Ron Johnson in just a minute. Uh, they have uh, called votes on the Senate floor. So uh, I, this gives me an opportunity to bring up another topic I want to, uh, to cover Look, this is Pride Month. Uh, I mean, have you noticed everywhere you go, you're uh, choking on rainbows? Well, the left, uh, I, I believe, has exposed their true colors in their reaction, their histonic reaction to Florida's uh, parental rights in education bill, which simply requires schools to keep classrooms content age appropriate. The, uh, the, this... Um, material on LGBTQ stuff, that it, 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 it can be reviewed by parents. Now, five other states already have similar laws, and at least 10 states are considering uh, such measures. Now, these laws are a welcome contradiction to the CDC's federal recommendations, which calls for schools to highlight gender identity and other LGBTQ issues in their sex education programs. And we're finding that many teachers are, are all too willing to support this and Others are being forced to. And by the way, I've heard from a number of you as teachers some of this material, and feel free to uh, share it with us. And you can do so anonymously, uh, but happy to, uh, to look into it. And we've looked into several of these. You can always email me at Tony, Tony, per Tony at TonyPerkins.com. All right, join me now to discuss this is Meg Kilgannon, FRC's Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Family Research Council. Meg, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Tony. All right, uh, you know, you always hear these, um, these sayings, they've bitten off more than they can choose, the bridge too far. So what is this for those that are pushing this agenda? I mean, we see State Farm, we see Pizza Hut. It looks like they may have gone too far because parents and even politicians are pushing back. Pa parents are waking up to the fact that there is a long and increasingly growing list of people who want to talk to our kids about sex behind our backs. 
And this is something that uh, people uh, in, in, you know, um, the faith community and in conservative politics have been trying to raise the alarm on for many years, and we weren't really taken seriously about it. Um, now parents see. They see the agenda. And it's, it's really been wonderful to see the pushback, not just among the parents, but among the teachers, as you mentioned. There are many Christian teachers in the schools who, who do not want to have to go along with this program. So we need to help yeah, them. And yes, we absolutely do. We need to, and we will, and we are. But there's also a Washington element of this with the CDC pushing this radical gender identity to be a part of any and all sex education curriculum. Right. The, the, the guidance coming out of the federal government right now is, um, is it's terrible. It, it is definitely completely contrary to anybody with a biblical worldview. And un, unfortunately, um, too many school administrators are very quick to take that kind of guidance seriously and as some sort of an imperative for them to include in their curriculum when, in fact, school and education is a local matter. It is under the purview of local school boards, and your neighborhood school is supposed to be informed by the values of the people in that community and the parents in that community. So we really encourage parents to push back on this agenda when they find it in their schools and to just call out the nonsense. You know, there, there, are, there may be all kinds of genders, but there are two sexes, and that's what children need to learn about, not the gender nonsense. So... This has kind of really reached a uh, crescendo, a zenith point, when you look at this battle competition, if you want, over um, girls' sports. Right. Where, in fact, FRC Action had just commissioned a poll. We just got these results last week. 61% of Americans oppose biological males competing in girls' and women's sports. And of course, we asked it in a very straightforward way. Uh, that, that's six out of ten Americans. It's hard to find anything where you would get 60 percent or more of Americans agreeing on something in this divided nation. Right. And even a Harvard-Harris poll came back to find 60 percent of Americans think it's not a good idea for students to choose their own pronouns. So, yes, this is, these are overwhelming numbers when you consider how polarized our country has become on these sort of, as they're called, the culture war issues. But they're really, this isn't a culture war issue. This is a common sense issue. We know that God made men, he made women, and we live together on earth, and we get married and have babies, and the whole thing goes around and around as by his design, as wonderful design. And so the, the further we get from, from delivering that message to children uh, and adding the extra information that is really irrelevant uh, it, it, to that, to that worldview, um, the, the more nonsense children are going to have to sort through, and it's really not fair to the kids. Well, I, I'm going to go back to, uh, to something I say often, and I'm going to continue to say it. It's an issue of parental responsibility. God gave children to parents and he gave parents responsibility and he gave them the authority to train up those children and as i've said before you can delegate the authority to the local school to a christian school to whomever but you can never delegate the responsibility it will be yours and so 
I'm encouraged, Meg, I really am, that I see parents, and I know that the day is dark and the hour is late and we see all these bad things happening, but I am encouraged that parents, as you said, are saying enough is enough and they're standing up. And courage breeds courage. And so when one parent stands up, it's not long until there's another one standing up and then another one. And we're seeing this all across the country. It's so true. And we have really great resources at www.frcaction.org slash schools that uh, we have our school board boot camp there and other videos and information for people who maybe they feel that God's calling them to run for office. Maybe they are wondering what they can do to help the school in their neighborhood. Um, think about running for school board. And when, when you are making that decision, check out those resources to see uh, if there's something there that can help you on your way. Well, and I know those resources are very helpful because I, I was reading an email, emails this morning and one of our listeners uh, emailed in and used uh, the guidance that you provided on the website for Freedom of Information Act request and uh, we're requesting information from the local uh, school. So uh, it's, good, re it's uh, good material, great resources there at FRC Action. Meg, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, stopping in today. Thank you, Tony. All right. Well, gas prices are still on the rise, with the national average climbing five cents Monday night to hit a record $4.92 per gallon. And out here in uh, California, it's uh, topping about $6 or more a gallon. According, this is according to the American Automobile Association. Americans today are paying $1.87 more than they were just a year ago when the price was $3.05 per AAA. And the forecast suggests that the worst is not nearly over. So what is the Biden administration doing about this? Mostly blaming Vladimir Putin uh, while continuing to wage a war on fossil fuels and American energy independence. So what is the road that the Biden administration has the American people driving on and where will it lead? With me now to talk about this is U.S. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, who is a member of Homeland Security Government Affairs Committee, and a member of the Commerce, Science, and Transportation Committee. Senator, welcome back to the program. Well, Tony, hope you're well. I'm doing, I am doing well, thank you. I, I didn't have to fill up my tank today, so I'm doing better. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, at a point, I got a truck. I drive a, a big pickup truck, and so I can't even fill it up because most gas pumps stop at $100. Uh, how long is this going to last? Is there any relief in sight for the American people? Well, according to Joe Biden, there's not because he says there's nothing he can do about it, although he caused it. Uh, you know, it was his war on fossil fuels. You mentioned the, the first shot across the bow in that war was the cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline. But uh, his agencies are making it difficult to for oil drillers to get permits to drill oil. You know, his allies in these groups are you know litigating, making it more and more difficult. Uh, he's nominating people that want to starve the oil and gas industry of capital. Uh, it's, it's bizarre how radical uh, President Biden's uh, nominees are for these sub-cabinet posts. And so, again, this, this is their state. This is their state of strategy. Explain that for just a moment, because I don't think people realize the layers that have been put in place where they're starving the industry of capital. They're actually not loaning money to these projects or opening up resources to these projects, only green-related projects. Right. And, of course, you've got the whole effort of ESG. Uh, that's putting pressure on, on corporate boards not to uh, and have and other people not to invest in uh, fossil fuel companies. And so across the board, uh, radical leftists throughout 
These organizations, certainly in this administration, are doing everything they can to force us into a green energy future. And listen, I, I'm for an all-above energy strategy, but it has to be market-based. Uh, it has to remain com- economically competitive. And we have to be concerned, you know, can green energy meet our demand? And right now it can't. And so we're going to be a fossil fuel-based uh, economy. But it's important to note, this didn't just happen. This is caused by uh, the, the war on fossil fuel. This is their desired result. They knew when you, when you, put a, when you go to war on fossil fuel, when you starve the industry of capital, when you reduce the supply of it, it's going to automatically increase prices. Now, maybe they're shocked by how high the prices have increased. They don't want to be held accountable. They thought they'd be able to kind of just, I guess, raise it enough to force people into, for example, electric vehicles, that type of thing, and just, what, never be held accountable? Now, they do have the complicit media in their back pocket, so that's a pretty good assumption on their part. But gas prices are so high. Like you said, you know, $100, more than $100 to fill up a, a truck, a lot of people can't fill up their cars. They, they can only put yeah. in $40 or $50 in a crack. So people are definitely noticing this. They're seeing high grocery prices, but gasoline in particular is what everybody sees because every time you drive up to that pump, you see now Wisconsin, some gas stations over five bucks a gallon. I, I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime. I didn't either. I mean, it's something we've seen in Europe, but I didn't th- think we would see it here in this country as, as uh, vast as our resources are. I, I, again, want to underscore this because the president is talking out of both sides of his mouth. He's saying, well, I, I'm opening up leases. We're allowing people to drill. We're encouraging them to drill. But what he doesn't talk about is what you just was describing, the underlying layers of bureaucracy that is prohibiting our energy producers from doing just that, which is the exact opposite of what we had during the Trump administration. And Tony, what's so sad about this, ever since OPEC came into being uh, during the 70s, it has been a bipartisan goal of the United States to become energy independent. And we finally became energy independent during the previous administration, just like we finally pretty well secured the border out of the previous administration. And the Biden administration blew it all up on day one. I mean, again, they declared war on fossil fuel. They opened up our border, dismantled all those successful programs. Again, that is by design. This is the result of their stated policies. What will it take to fix this? I mean, how... Is there the ability to right this energy ship so that, look, I'm like you. I'm for all of the above. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm putting solar panels on my, I'm all for for that. But I want it to be a pleasant transition. I want to kick people out of their homes because they can't pay their utility bills. Uh, We've got to think through this. I don't think this is a smart approach. Well, you have to start by recognizing reality. Uh, recognize that we are going to be a fossil fuel-based economy for quite some time. And so drill. Now, burn it as clean as possible. If you're really that concerned about uh, climate change, and I'm not a climate change denier, but I'm just not a climate change alarmist, we will adapt. I think we'll adapt easily. Well, we have. We have. Right, and we we will continue. we We have improved the processes of cleaning the air emissions from these plants, from energy, and from other plants. So we've done a good job of upping our game when it comes to protecting the environment. But we can also push forward nuclear power. I just met with a, a bunch of the Canadian uh, power companies, and they're, they're promoting smaller and smaller nuclear power to uh, augment uh, the rest of their 
energy production. So again, it's an all of the above strategy, but recognize reality right. and don't self-inflict wounds. Uh, right, which is what we're it, doing. It, it makes no sense. Uh, very quickly, uh, Senator, we're almost out of time, but you, you sent a letter to the acting director of NIH last week asking about these, um, I'm going to describe it as kickback, kickbacks or under-the-table money coming back to NIH employees, including Fauci, from drug companies. What's going on there? Well, again, it's a very opaque process, but uh, apparently there are royalties being paid to employees of NIH and our federal health agencies, which is, you know, completely wrong. Uh, you know, I think pan the pandemic has exposed so much uh, capture by big pharma of our uh, federal health agencies, a, a lot of corruption going on there. Uh, we need people who work for government to be looking at only the, out for the people's interest, not their own personal interest. And, and when you're paying royalties on particular drugs or particular uh, technologies, uh, that completely corrupts the process. So we, we've got to figure out exactly what's happening here. We got to end. We have to end the practice. We also have to re reestablish doctors at the top of the treatment pyramid. Right now, they're being crushed right. by right. bureaucrats, people like Fauci, hospital associations, uh, state medical practicing boards. Uh, we need to let doctors be doctors. Let them practice medicine. Could not agree more, Senator. We're out of time, but it's always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Stay well. All right, and, uh, and we'll get him back on when he gets answers from the NIH over this. It, by the way, if this is in fact happening, it's illegal. And we'll find out more later. Thanks so much for joining us today. Until next time, I once again leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, where he says, when you've done everything that you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.